welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Matthew Iomi, the co-founder and CEO of Fetty. If you live in Austin, College Station, or Lubbock, you've probably seen Fetty's black ride-sharing vans all over town. Fetty is a rideshare platform tailored towards groups and events that utilizes a network of 15 passenger vans to allow groups to ride together, reducing congestion and emissions while providing a superior transportation experience. In this episode, Matthew shares how he and his team have grown Fetty from a single shuttle service to a multi-million dollar business that is now a major competitor of Uber and Lyft. We also chat about how Matthew's upbringing shaped his work ethic and what he and his team hope to accomplish at Fetty in the near future. Let's get into the show. Matthew, welcome to Office Chats. I'd love to kick off this conversation by having you introduce yourself and telling listeners a bit about your background. Yeah, so my name is Matthew Iomi. I graduated from Texas A&M University, major in economics, minor in business management. And uh, in college, my senior year, uh, I looked at a problem that kind of needed a solution within our target demographic, which was kind of these groups during college didn't have a good way to to go for, to and from a place. And that eventually led to where I am now, where uh, I co-founded and I'm the CEO of Fetty, a group rideshare app uh, that utilizes these 15 passenger sprinter vans to move groups from point A to point B. Tell me a little bit more about the origin story of Fetty and how you got started on campus and started, you know, growing slowly from there. Yeah, so it really started with one vehicle and what we quickly realized is that group transportation had been severely outdated in terms of its model and its accessibility, affordability, and just general service, meaning the groups at seven people or over uh, essentially had two options. The first option was to reserve a charter vehicle, whether it's a party bus, a charter transportation company, days or weeks in advance, pay a three to five hour minimum for maybe a 20 minute trip and have no payment flexibility where one person has to put a down deposit and prepay the whole thing. And it's just outrageous other than maybe very, uh, you know, very certain events like a wedding or something like that. And so what everyone decided to do with the introduction of rideshare technology is that they were just taking Ubers and Lyfts and splitting up the group and taking multiple cars. And so kind of what we decided and, and said to ourselves is, well, why don't we take these high capacity vehicles and incorporate rideshare technology into them so that these groups have an accessible and affordable way to move from point A to point B while still being together. And that's kind of where Fetty came to fruition my senior year, as I mentioned, is when we started in. So, of course, we started with one vehicle. I was driving it to begin with. Um, and we kind of just really saw that this was actually something that was being utilized heavily by the you know college demographic and not just on a you know once a month basis or or once a week basis but multiples multiple times a night when these groups needed to get to dinners uh nightlife sorority events you know date parties concerts sporting events lake trips all of that good stuff uh, and we really knew at that point that we had something um from there we kind of scaled it out and so we we launched in Austin with UT Austin um, then went to Lubbock with Texas Tech. We're also in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Baton Rouge, Tuscaloosa. And, you know, as you can kind of infer, what we like to do is start with the university hubs, you know, really get them uh, involved, introduced to the service. And then from there, we kind of start expanding out into the older demographic 
uh, that also utilize our services for off-site corporate events, shuttling, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So when you were first getting started at A&M, were your first customers just through like word of mouth of like knowing people in fraternities or other orgs on campus? Yeah, exactly. So our go-to-market strategy has seen a lot of success by targeting sororities and fraternities uh, and organizations first. And that's a strategy that a lot of companies have done, such as Facebook, Tinder, Bumble, DoorDash. They've kind of targeted these organizations. And one reason why it's so successful is because these entities tend to, to congregate in groups. And then also, you also have the fact that they can be trendsetters and influencers in their in their social circles. And so from there, by people seeing them utilizing it, they also feel uh, the desire to give it a try and almost of a fo uh, FOMO sort of feel. I'm sure you have some memorable moments of when you were driving the Fetty bus yourself. Definitely. No, I mean, at the very beginning, we, you know, we started the company bootstrapped credit cards. Um, and so the vehicles that we had were not the best quality. You know, we, we found them on Craigslist and I remember driving it. And I want to say it was either within the first three trips of, you know, once the app came out and we were testing it, the bus broke down. And so it was, you know, a huge <laughs> mess and we had to, you know, refund them, make it up to them and, and, and the whole deal. But since then, things have gone smoother. And what's really unique now, too, is that at the beginning of it, you know, we owned the vehicles, we purchased them, um, and, you know, we were taking care of maintenance and everything. And we realized that at scale, that made it much, much more difficult. Um, you know, we're over 100 vehicles now. And so to, to have to have the infrastructure to, to do maintenance and, and, you know, purchase the vehicles, the capital intensive aspect of that, uh, we, we realized that we needed to change the model. And so now we don't own any of the vehicles, as a matter of fact. And what we do is we have a model similar to Amazon's DSP model, delivery service partner model. We call it the FETI PSP model, passenger service provider model. And these are entities who purchase these fleet of vehicles. Uh, they take care of the maintenance, the financing, the insurance. And then they put them on our platform and rent them out to independent contractors who then utilize our software to generate revenue. And that's that's allowed us to completely focus now on the technology, on the software, and, and make sure that the user experience, as well as the driver and PSP exper experience, is uh, top quality. That's pretty cool. So how did you approach building that initial technology infrastructure for the FETI app? And what were some of the biggest challenges you faced developing the platform? A lot of the uh, the building, uh, I give credit to my co-founder Justin. Um, he's more he's our CTO, so you know as you can infer, he he's done a lot of the work on the te technical side. Um, but you know a lot of the challenges that stemmed from it was kind of you know it it was trial and error. You know we would implement some feature, it wouldn't it wouldn't fit well with our with our users, and so we'd have to modify. And so for for an example of that, one thing that we really had to figure out was how to properly uh, input payment processing into our application. And so whenever you're dealing with these large groups, one thing that's a barrier to, to group transportation is the actual cost. Because to, to get one of these vehicles uh, that can hold up to 15 people, it's going to be much more expensive than an Uber and Lyft um, because we can fit more people and, and transport uh, you know, up to three times the amount of people. And so with asking one person um, to to pay upfront as we initially did. So we have, hey, you know, the booker has to prepay, you know, whenever they click confirm and the van comes, you're charged a certain amount. Uh, we saw that it was just too much for them. And of course, 
the likelihood that they would get paid back by their friends at the end of the night or at the end of the event um, kind of diminishes. And so what we implemented was a QR check-in system that essentially allowed each person entering the vehicle to scan a QR code on the vehicle and split the payment amongst everyone so that each person is paying about four to five dollars uh, per person. And what we found is that made it much more accessible and much more comfortable for our users our users to try out the service um, so that you know one person didn't have to take the full full effect of that payment. So just those trial and error things is really what we found and and that's allowed us to really progress and and quickly, uh, ensure that the product meets, you know, our user standards. Yeah, super smart, especially for when you're targeting college kids, you know, you want to make it something that's both easy and affordable. So that seems like you guys had a good plan going into it and have developed it along the way. Right. Once your business started gaining traction in College Station, what was the moment that you realized you wanted to pursue it full time? And then what steps did you take to do so? Yeah, so definitely, you know, at the beginning, uh, we definitely weren't sure. Uh, initially, this was going to be a project that I would, you know, scale up, automate, and then it would be almost as a as a passive income stream while I pursued a career initially in investment banking. Um, but quickly, you know, with the success that came, I really found that my mind was a hundred percent focused on how we could make this thing bigger and bigger and just naturally it, it kind of made sense to completely focus on this venture and and I enjoy doing so so it kind of fit um it fit perfectly and so whenever we saw the quick success in in college station and for many reasons you know one great reason is that we have no direct competitor meaning if you don't take a Fetty, you're either going to have to reserve a charter vehicle the old-fashioned way or split up and take multiple vehicles and so we really saw that we were in a market with no direct competitor, as well as the fact that we were able to grow very quickly because of the nature of the company, meaning whenever we convert one customer, whenever I convince you, Valeria, to try Fetty, I'm also convincing 10, 11, 12 of your friends who also experienced the service. So that week over week exponential growth that we saw was just phenomenal. And at that point, you know, I spoke with Justin and, and, and the team and we really said, okay, let's take this full time. Um, and let's see if we can replicate it. And so we took it to Austin and we tried the same strategy within University of Texas, where we partnered with the sororities and fraternities and the organizations. And we and we wanted to see if this was something that, you know, was not just a college station thing. And we quickly saw that, okay, there was great success at UT and just in our heads, if we can replicate this, not only across every college uh, in the country, but also every metro area in the country, this could be a really, really big business. And from then on, that's been our main focus, just expansion and growth. What other features differentiate your company from other rideshare services that you're really proud of? Yeah, so, you know, I touched on it. One of the things we're really proud of is our UPC check-in system that utilizes a QR code to, to split the payment at the time of boarding. Uh, we use machine learning to, to kind of facilitate the dividing of these different payments, whether it's based on time, demand, miles, number of people in a group, all these kind of variables play into our dynamic pricing algorithm that's very unique. Um, but then also it goes into our backend management system for our PSPs and for our drivers. And, and the fact that, you know, we started off with the experience of running, you know, this charter transportation company, the one bus to begin with, and then kind of molding it into what has now become Fetty, 
we have that experience of what works and what doesn't work within the old charter transportation model. And so, you know, different companies who may try to come in and off the bat and say, hey, we can try group transportation. They're coming in with a lot less knowledge than we did because we started off from the ground understanding uh, what works and what didn't. And so I think, you know, while we can also while we can talk about the technicalities of the app and and the functionalities, I think the main value that we bring to building a great product that no one else has is the experience of understanding group transportation at its foundation mm -hmm. and making sure what works and what doesn't. How do you go about building your network of drivers for Fetty? Like what type of criteria do you use to select them and make sure that they're a fit for your for your company? Yeah, so that's really been something that we've been uh, very fortunate to really do well. And, and what I mean by that is that a lot of our drivers, of course, we make sure that their clean background checks, clean MVR, motor, motor vehicle record checks are all clean. But what a lot of our drivers are is they used to be full-time Uber and Lyft and other rideshare drivers who then go onto our platform and drive full-time for us. And the reason they drive full-time for us and the reason we're able to get a wait list of drivers who want to drive for the company is because of our unit economics. So if you think about it, one Fetty trip generates about three to four times the revenue of one Uber trip because we can fit more people in while maintaining the cost profile of one Uber trip, meaning it's still just one vehicle, one driver. And so because of that, we have better margins to work with and can give our drivers more of the fare than Uber or Lyft does, uh, which of course makes our drivers happy, makes our PSPs happy, and essentially allows the company to work. And since you don't, like your company doesn't own the vehicles, I'm just curious, does the company that does own them, do they take on liabilities for anything that happens with the car, or the driver, or anything like that? Yeah. So they've got the liability, they've got the uh, the insurance, the financing on the vehicle. They oversee their, their independent contracts for their drivers, uh, make sure that everything is going like that. We've got a lot of our PSPs who utilize uh, Lytics dash cams. And so mm. they're seeing kind of driver scores, making sure drivers are, are driving as of how they're supposed to. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that we've made sure when partnering with these PSPs that they're of the utmost professional aspects and, and making sure that they understand what it takes. And so you ask, you know, kind of what does the process for acquiring drivers look like? And that's one aspect of it. But the other aspect is making sure that the acquisition of PSPs is also, you know, at the forefront of our thinking as well. Yeah, I've even seen on like social media, some of your drivers have like their own accounts and have a tons of followers where people like specifically want to ride with them just because they create like a fun experience for for people reserving that Fetty bus. Yeah, no, no, we've, uh, we've, uh, for example, here in Austin, there's one of our drivers, her name's Blanca, but she goes by Queen Fetty. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's got a huge following. And that just goes to show, you know, the kind of drivers that we have. She's fantastic. She gives great customer service. She creates an experience for our users. Um, and we, we, we embrace that. And so, you know, there's certainly other companies that would say, hey, no, you can't do that on social media. You, you don't have the proper, uh, you know, permissions. But no, we, we completely love it. And uh, we're glad that she's a part of our company and embracing the Fetty brand. That's awesome. You guys have had so much growth from 2019 to now. I'm curious, what have been some of the biggest challenges you faced scaling Fetty that maybe you didn't expect and how you've been able to, to address them and overcome those challenges? Yeah, so I, I would say, you know, in terms of scaling the company, the biggest challenges, I would say it comes to 
like almost any startup, kind of the funds, the capital funds, um, because, you know, we can, with our margins and, and being, being able to be profitable to market, we can scale, but maybe not at the pace that we would like to. And so one thing that we did come across was needing funds to kind of aggressively continue expansion and grow as quickly as we possibly could. And so to kind of combat that, we went out and we started raising institutional capital, which a part of that was our fundraising round that included Y Combinator. Um, and, you know, for those not familiar with Y Combinator, they're um, a venture firm out in the Bay Area, San Francisco, that was the, the first investors in Stripe, Dropbox, Airbnb, Instacart, DoorDash. And so they've got a great reputation of kind of seeing the big businesses before they've gotten big. And so we were very fortunate to get an investment from them that we then utilized um, to continue our expansion, continue our scaling. And, and so that's what I'd, I'd say the biggest obstacle was. And fortunately, we've been able to, to get over that hurdle and continue growing. And are they your primary investor? They're, they were our lead investor in that round. Um, and I would say they've probably been the investor that's given us one of the best value adds. Um, you know, we're working with people who have who have been in the early days of DoorDash, Airbnb, you know, all these great mm -hmm. companies that, that are relative to us as a marketplace. And so whenever we have questions, whenever we need introductions, we can leverage those relationships that wouldn't be there have we not get an investment from them. And so I'd probably say, yeah, there are, you know, our best value add investors, and we're very fortunate to be partnered with them. Mm -hmm. Well, what other type of fundraising has your company done? And are there any opportunities for people to invest now or in the future in your business? For our, our users or, or just, you know, people watching, is there an opportunity to invest in the future? Never say never. Right now, I would anticipate that would be, you know, at an I, IPO situation. But yeah, so aside from institutional capital, at the very beginning, we did raise some friends and family funds um, that helped us uh, get off the ground uh, once we kind of had maxed out our credit cards. And then we also have leveraged revenue-based financing, which essentially, you know, you can take on a line of credit based on your revenue and use funds that way. And so we work with actually another Y Combinator portfolio company called Arc Technologies, um, and we've utilized the relationship with them to continue expansion as well. And, and, you know, great things to say about them. And so as you're growing, how do you balance that constant need for profitability with the desire to continue providing that affordable and accessible transportation to your customers? Yeah. So, I mean, that's another part of the aspect where, you know, the margins are in our favor, where we don't have to overly charge our customers because, you know, frankly, we don't need to. And so whenever we enter into a market, it costs us a certain amount to enter into that market. But within three and a half to four months, we kind of pull the levers on our driver incentives and our, and subsidizing some, some rides for our new users to where we're profitable in that market. From there, you know, we're not burning, uh, you know, capital. And then we can go out to our partners, raise more money or take on, for example, more revenue-based financing with ARC uh, to continue expanding into more and more markets. We replicate the go-to-market strategy, become profitable in those markets, and then repeat the processes. So right now that's been working well for us and we're, we're going to continue leveraging that uh, strategy and playbook. Mm -hmm. Well, switching gears a little bit, I want to talk a bit about like the brand and the marketing efforts you all have done so far. So how have you approached customer acquisition for Fetty and what strategies have you used that you feel like are effective in growing your user base and increasing like your brand recognition? 
Partnering with the universities is, is obviously a big one for us. Just like Uber, Lyft, and other rideshare services, the college demographic, you know, specifically 18 to 22 year olds are our highest intent users, meaning not only do they utilize our service, but they utilize it frequently. And so figuring out a way to infiltrate those groups and going after that type of demographic and, and pushing all your marketing initiatives initiatives towards that demographic is really what makes sense for us. And so that's why we really like to focus on partnering with sororities, fraternities, organizations, kind of these big groups within that demographic who can then spread the word and share the experience of FETI. We also have other partnerships, and these are more B2B partnerships where we partner with bachelorette planners, boat rental companies, pub crawler companies, um, sporting events, concert venues, in which we provide them a, a discounted promo code that they can give to their to their customers, to their guests. And that's kind of a, a way that we can acquire customers as well. And, and really, you know, from that, a lot of our marketing and a lot of our customer acquisition strategy has been from word of mouth. We've got a great brand. We, we try to give 100% of the time a great user experience with Fetty. Of course, sometimes we miss it and we work on improving that. Um, but that's probably been one of our biggest growth movers is word of mouth. And of course, you know, when you give a great product and a great service, people are going to want to talk about it. And fortunately, in our case, we've been doing just that. I think the other great marketing move on your company's part is creating a uniform look with all the vans. Like they're all black, shiny vans with a recognizable logo. And so I was wondering at which point in the company's growth that decision came to be. Yeah, that definitely wasn't off the bat. You know, at the beginning, as I mentioned, we had limited funds. So we were really just trying to purchase vehicles that, you know, were in our budget. And so we, we, we've we had uh, some pretty, you know, at the very beginning, we had, you know, some pretty rough looking vehicles. And as we grew and continue to, to find success, we kind of made the decision to kind of have a uniform fleet uh, for our PSPs. And these are, as you mentioned, the 15 passenger transit or sprinter vans that are branded on the side um, and very recognizable. And you know, that's a great point that you bring. And it's it's almost, it's very unique. And of course, great for us that there's almost a direct correlation with the more we grow, the more visibility we have because there's more vans on the road. And so of course, when we entered the Austin market with five vans, it was very rare for you to go up to someone in Austin and say, hey, have you ever seen a Fetty van? But now that we have, you know, 10 to 50 times X that amount of vehicles, you go to someone in Austin, and it's very more likely that whenever they've been out and about, they've seen a Fetty van go by. Mm -hmm. And where did the name Fetty come from? Yeah, so, so Fetty is a French oceanic term that means an extension of one's family. And we mm -hmm. like to say, you know, whenever you're in a Fetty, you're with your group, it might not be your blood family. But it's kind of your squad and, and you know, maybe, you know, your friends, your, your extensions. And so what we like to say is that we, we transport you guys together. And one of our mottos is live together, ride together, Fetty together. And, and that's kind of, you know, the mantra that we've had, especially coming out of COVID and the pandemic is that, you know, we're really social creatures. We shouldn't be alone and by ourselves. And we hope that Fetty is being a, a medium of getting people together and getting you know, them where they need to go as a whole. Yeah, I will say my first Fetty experience was very memorable. I had just made new friends here in Austin and we took a Fetty to Lake Austin or Devil's Cove in Lake, is that like okay. Lake Travis, I think? Travis, yeah. Yeah. So I'll always remember it was just like the best time. 
Oh, very good. I didn't know you yeah. had written one. So I hope the experience was good. Oh yeah. The driver was amazing. He like let us play our music, just very clean. Yeah. You also like, that's another thing I like about Fetty is with other ride shares, you're kind of like, at least for me, sometimes I can't find the car and I'm like on the side of the street, like looking for my Uber, trying to read the license plate with Fetty, like the big branded bands, you know, it's there. You don't have to struggle. That's true. If a Fetty van comes and, and you can't find it, there's probably some underlying issues we need to address. <laughs> exactly. But no, that's good to hear. And, you know, you mentioned the lake. That's obviously a great use case for our vehicles where a lot of groups are going out to the boats together. They're, they may be, you know, enjoying themselves with alcohol and it's a long drive anyways. They don't want to drive their personal vehicles. Um, so so that's great to hear. And and that's kind of the whole thing with Fetty, right? It's It's, you know, you're able to be with your friends and what what I like to say is very in very few cases do you see a group on a Fetty with a frown on their face. Yeah, that's right? very it's true. It's very hard because just by the nature of being with your friends and your loved ones, you're going to be in a good mood. And so we were very fortunate to kind of just facilitate those good memories and those good feelings to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. So what does your Fetty team or Fetty family look like today? Um, and what kind of growth have you all experienced? Yeah, so we've been seeing great growth. Um, you know, we've got our Fetty inside team that works on the product, that works on the marketing, the sales, and then we've got our Fetty ambassadors, and that's our ambassador program that kind of is out there in the in our markets. You know, spreading the word on social medias as well as through events and whatnot. Then we've also got our Fetty drivers, and so that's a huge network of of people who are you know going out and servicing our customers. And then we've got our Fetty PSPs, these are the people who are purchasing the, these vehicles. And so the Fetty family has grown very, very big. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to, to be able to say that, you know, we've created great opportunities for a variety of people. And, and our goal is just to continue expanding that and, and improving on the impact that we're having on everyone's lives. And is the majority of your Inside Fetty team based in Austin as well, or kind of around the Southeast yeah, so during the pandemic, we were kind of all over the place. We had some in California, we had some uh, in Dallas, one in Houston, uh, some in Austin, including myself and and Justin. But now we've gotten everyone into Austin. Um, I'm I, you know I'm a firm believer of of having people in the office. Uh, we are on a hybrid schedule, so they're not coming in seven days a week. But I think it's just it just creates a great uh, experience and a great atmosphere to have everyone here, um, as well as the fact that you know Austin is our biggest market, and so. You know, I I love that our product team and and our marketing and our sales team is here in Austin because they can actually go out and and see the Vetti vehicles. You know, uh, for for data purposes, uh, you know, ride them, try it out, um, talk with our customers, get feedback, and so I felt that's a great asset of having the team here all together. Mm-hmm. And what have been some of the most rewarding experiences you've had throughout your journey as founder and CEO of Fetty? And how do you think those experiences have kind of shaped your leadership style as the company has grown? One of the things that, that that's probably been the best uh, and the most rewarding about being in this position is the, the nature of the company really is just positivity. You know, it's not as if this is a, you know, I don't want to get controversial, but as if this isn't a tobacco company that, you know, you could argue is doing harm to people. No, with Fetty, you know, there's really little argument to be made that we're hurting anyone, right? We're, we're providing great opportunities to every team member, whether it's our ambassadors, our team, our drivers, our PSPs, um, but also creating great memories and a great experience 
for our users, for our customers who don't have to split up the, the group anymore or don't have to pay an arm and a leg to ride together. We're really bringing this affordability and, and accessible group transportation option to them that has created great memories. And so, for example, with your experience, being able to get to the lake together, right? That That's something that, you know, a lot of people could take, take for granted. But for me, it's like, okay, well, fantastic. If it wasn't for Fetty, they would either have to take multiple vehicles, which just isn't as fun, or have to pay an outrageous amount for a for a charter vehicle to to take you out to the to Lake Travis, and then you have to reserve it so that the vehicle is is there the whole time while you're out on the boat, and it's just a whole mess. So I don't take that for granted. Um, and then you know, just of course, just giving everyone the opportunity. And then you can't go without saying that we're also uh, playing a beneficial role in terms of the environment, right? We're able to take off unnecessary vehicles off of the road because everyone can ride in one vehicle, which helps with congestion, emissions, and you know all that stuff. And so it's kind of a win-win in all assets aspects of the company that I really try not to take for granted and remember every day how fortunate I am to be in that position. I'm sure you're glad you didn't give up on pursuing the quote-unquote project that you started at A&M. Yeah, no, in, in hindsight, that would have been very sad had I, uh, had we, you know, just ditched it. So I'm very fortunate as long, uh, along with my co-founder, him and I, uh, and just the whole team in general, we've got team members who have been with us since the beginning. And so just, you know, uh, grateful to everyone for sticking it out and uh, continuing on this path. Is there anything that you wish you could go back and tell yourself when you were just starting the company? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good question. I would have to say, no, I would have to say, you know, zero, just because you really, all the mistakes that I made, all the doubts, all the, uh, all the confidence I had, it, it all led me to this uh, position, which I think is a fantastic position. I mean, the, the company itself, the, the foundation, the infrastructure is set up very efficiently where we don't have to rely on venture capital just to stay open. Like many startups do, we've got a profitable business model and that stems from having little resources to begin with. Um, the team that we have, you know, has gone through uh, iterations. Like I mentioned, we've got some team members who have been with us since, since the beginning. And we had some with us who were, were with us at the beginning, but are no longer with us just because they weren't a good fit and things didn't work out. And that's led us to where we are now, which is, you know, in a very fortunate position. And so looking back, I, I don't have any regrets. And personally, it's hard for me to believe in regrets just because it's almost like that butterfly effect. You you never mm -hmm. know where it would be if you change one little thing. Um, and so, you know, no regrets. Uh, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to continue making mistakes, but it's just learning from them and keep on iterating, keep on improving the customer experience and keep on growing. Yeah. I love that. It's the best way to learn, right? Exactly. If, if we didn't mess up, then we wouldn't be going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, where do you see Fetty in the next few years? Are there any like upcoming plans or goals that you can share with listeners? Yeah, so really uh, without giving too much, we're just going for aggressive growth and scaling right now. So and to give you reference, uh, we were in three cities, um, College Station, Austin, and Lubbock. And uh, on January 26th, at the same time, we launched in four new cities, Dallas, Fort Worth, Baton Rouge, and Tuscaloosa. Um, so as you can kind of infer, we've kind of got this playbook down. And so we plan to do a next round of launches uh, come come September uh, 2023. Um, and our goal is just to be in every college town as well as every major metro area and make sure that groups across the country have access to kind of this Fetty service that's really never been, you know, never been seen before. 
um, continue creating, you know, millions of, of smiles and, and, you know, hundreds of thousands of successful trips. Um, and as well as at the same time, providing countless uh, opportunities to our drivers, to our team members, um, and just continuing on the path of, of, uh, of, of where we are at, where we're at right now. So that's kind of, you know, without giving too much, just mm -hmm. continue growing, continue providing this service to as many people as possible. Yeah. So September, 2023 will be a bunch of new cities and that's just in time for football season. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, what we, we, we've really strategically timed our, um, our expansions with the start of the school semesters. Um, so that January 26 was the start of the spring semester. And then our next round of launches is the start of the fall semester. And that just gives us a lot of time to get and infiltrate the university um, demographic so that by the time summer comes or winter break comes, we're kind of full-fledged and we're also servicing uh, users that are outside of that demographic. Mm -hmm. That's very smart. Um, well, Matthew, on a more personal note, how do you think your upbringing shaped your values and your approach to entrepreneurship? Yeah, so uh, I think it shaped a lot of it, uh, actually. Um, both my parents were immigrants. Uh, my father came to the U.S. from England, and my, mo my mother came from the U.S., uh, came to the U.S. from Mexico. Um, and so neither of them had a, a college degree. Uh, it was very kind of, you know, it was very new to them kind of operating in this um, in this culture and in this environment that's the United States. And my father, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, was an entrepreneur himself. He had his own real estate company. Um, and I think from that, I kind of understood that the typical the typical route that many of us uh, are led are led towards in the United States wasn't the only route. Um, you know, there were other ways of, of, you know, making, making a career, you know, for yourself and, and other avenues that you could take. And so I think seeing it firsthand growing up, um, already opened my mind to the idea of entrepreneurship or of building a company, building your own asset. Um, and so I think that helped a lot. And then my mother has a phenomenal work ethic. And so just seeing how much work could go into building something for your life, I kind of saw, well, you know, yeah, this may take a lot of work. This may seem hard, but, you know, with, with, with a good work ethic, it can become successful and, you know, kind of seeing those two aspects come to fruition and, and having, you know, giving me the opportunities that I have um, growing up, because I certainly was never in fear of not having food on the table or shelter over my head or anything like that. I understood that you could create great, uh, great environments for yourself if you really, you know, either looked at entrepreneurship or had great work ethic. And fortunately for me, I kind of decided to take both of those and it led me into, into, you know, entrepreneurship. And so, so that I would say the upbringing, but also the college experience specifically uh, majoring in economics, whenever you're looking at the economy, you kind of start to realize that a lot of the things that the economy is built on is entrepreneurs, right? These are startups and companies that start off with one or two people uh, and then grow into Microsoft, grow into Apple, grow into Uber that create hundreds and thousands of jobs for, for you know, U.S. citizens and citizens around the world. Um, so it, it's kind of understanding at that point too, where, you know, startups and entrepreneurship, it's not so different from other things. It's just kind of starting from the bottom and building up. Yeah. That's really cool that you were able to maybe lean on your dad a little bit from his experience and just having that support because since he had done something on his own as well. 
Right. Yeah. And, and well, I'll tell you what though, uh, the venture, the, the real estate company he had, uh, you know, ended up not being successful. And so while that should have scared me, uh, I decided to still go at it. And so, you know, here I am. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're very proud. Um, where did you grow up just out of curiosity? Yeah. So the Dallas, Texas area, it's a mm -hmm. suburb about 25 minutes out of Dal uh, downtown Dallas called Coppell. So oh, for, okay. for those who may be listening, that's Grapevine, Carrollton, Irving area. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was pronounced Coppell. Coppell, not... yeah. <laughs> no, Coppell. A lot of a lot of people from Capel say uh, it's cop hell because the the police are very strict over there. If you're going five miles per hour, they'll stop you. That's funny. Well, Matthew, I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So, what is your biggest piece of advice for aspiring founders and entrepreneurs? Yeah, my biggest piece of advice is to understand in the journey there's going to be highs and lows. Um, so whenever you're at a low, you really have to just have the fortitude to understand that it's temporary and that a high, you know, you will come out of it and, and you will come on the, uh, out on the other side better. Um, at the same time is when you're on a high understanding that that also is temporary, you're going to hit an obstacle and you're going to hit a low. And so for maybe your viewers who haven't heard this, uh, this kind of story, it's, it's a quick story, but it's something that I always like to think about. Um, and it's the story of the Chinese farmer. So, you know, it, it's grown very popular, but there's a story about a Chinese farmer who has a son and, uh, and one day one of his horses runs off. And so the village comes to the Chinese farmer and says, you know, oh, this is very sad. I'm very sorry that your horse ran away. Um, you know, we hope it gets better. And he says, well, you know, I appreciate that, but you know, maybe it's not bad. Maybe it is bad. Maybe it's not bad. And so the next day, the, the horse that ran away returns but comes uh, with uh, you know five wild horses with him and so the villagers come and say wow you're so lucky that that your horse not only came back but brought other horses and he says well maybe i'm not sure if it's a good or bad thing then the next day his son is trying to break in one of the wild horses and falls and breaks his ankle and now the villagers come and say we're so sorry you know this is just horrible luck i'm sorry that your son broke his ankle and he says well maybe Maybe, right? Maybe this is a bad thing. Maybe this is a good thing. The next day, a, conscript, a conscription officer comes drafting people for the army and passes by the Chinese farmer's son because he has a broken ankle and can't fight. And so the villagers come and say, wow, you're so lucky. And so the whole moral of the story is that, you know, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, and even just, as, you know, in your personal life, things are going to come at you and they're going to be good. Well, they're not even going to be good or bad. Just things are going to come at you and you're not going to know how it's going to play out. And so the good thing and the only thing you can do is kind of fight through whatever obstacle you have and see what comes out on the other side. And that's something that's worked really well for us and the whole team, where whether it's COVID, whether it's not having the capital to grow aggressively, whether it's finding vehicles, whatever obstacle might come, um, it's just fighting through it and coming out on the other side. You'll understand if it was a good thing or a bad thing, or you know, if you just keep on going. So that's one thing that I would tell everyone is there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, but the main thing is just fighting through it. Mm -hmm. I love that story. It's just, you know, about perspective and being able to roll with the punches. Exactly. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Can you please let everyone know where they can keep up with you and Fetty online and on social media? Yeah, definitely. So my Instagram is just Matthew Iomi. I like to post stuff about our team and about our, our traction, but the Fetty uh, Instagram is a great, a great place to, to kind of see what we're doing. That's just at Fetty, F-E-T-I-I. -I. 
And then of course our website, www.fetty.com has all the information. Um, and then if you want to ride in a Fetty vehicle with your friends, all you have to do is download the Fetty app um, and you can get going. Big thanks to Matthew for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats.